You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org.
Welcome to Kensington. My name's Tyler Verrier, and I'm the church planning resident here. We're so thankful you chose to be with us this morning. When you choose to invest in this community, you're investing in your own faith journey, as well as a family that will be walking with you. And we're thankful for that. Attention all married couples. Do you feel like it's been a minute since you've been able to get out, laugh together, spend some time connecting? We wanna invite you to a special all-campus date night at the Troy campus on October 23rd. It's gonna be an awesome time together with live music, dessert, and a time to connect with other couples. We'll also hear about the importance of being vulnerable with our spouses and learning the good value of communication. For those of you who weren't listening, we're going to learn the value of good communication. Here's something to sweeten the pot. We'll be offering low-cost childcare as you enjoy the evening. It's gonna be a great night. We're gonna have live music, lots of fun, dessert, and obviously some time to connect with your spouse. So grab some other couples and join us on October 23rd. Simply go to kensingtonchurch.org slash date night to learn more and to register. Listen up, middle school and high school students. Breakaway and Edge are back. That's our middle school and high school program, and we have our fall retreat coming up. It's on October 29th through 31st. Our student ministries teams have put together an epic weekend for our middle school and high school students alike. As a former student director here at Kensington Church, I have to let you guys know that this is one of my favorite weekends of the year. This is truly a wild time. Middle school and high schoolers, every single year, when you ask them about where God met them, how he led them during the year, will come back to the wild retreat. We have tons of fun. We have tons of games, competition. This is where relationships are made. I want to encourage you to go to kensingtonchurch.org slash wild and make sure you save your spot. It's going to be an incredible time. Don't miss it. Okay, let's return to our service and our new series reveal. Today's service is titled Because God Said So, which has me intrigued already. Thanks again for joining us. Hello, good morning. Hope you guys are uh, happy to be here. My name is Stephen. I'm the student ministries director here at Clinton Township Campus. And whether you're here in the building or joining us online, I'm glad you are with us. Um, I'm here. I'm, I'm very excited to share a couple things that are going on here, different opportunities and things to invite you to. Um, one thing I'm very excited about is McCrest. So McCrest is something we've been doing for 13 years, which is a pretty long time. Um, and basically, we partner with this organization, McCrest to go out and serve and help our community and help those who are experiencing homelessness. And this is just a really awesome way for you to get involved. Uh, this was actually one of the first things me and my wife did when we, when we got involved here at Kensington. And it helped connect us to a whole bunch of other people that go here. And it's just a really good opportunity to serve. And if this is something that you are interested in, there's a couple ways you can do this. Uh, you can either be here in person, on site, helping with the day-to-day -day things that are going on, or you can be part of the donation team. And there's a, there's a board out in the lobby where you can go find out more information on what kind of things need donations for, uh, what time slots there is. Um, but it's a really awesome event, and I just would love to encourage you to go out there and check it out. Again, the Hub has all the information you need for that. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is midweek. Um, if you're like me and you love the worship music that we do here on stage and the messages, this is an opportunity that we do once a month to go a little bit deeper. And I always leave these things feeling very full of life and just refreshed. So again, I just want to invite you. That's on the 20th. 
Um, and another thing I want to talk about is trunk or treat. This has got to be by far one of my favorite things that we do all year. Um, I'm a youth pastor, so I'm constantly like inviting students like, hey, bring your friends. Uh, this is one of those things that's just like such a no-brainer. Like invite your friends. If you know people who have little kids, this is just such an awesome thing that we do for our local community. And the best part about it is it's free. Uh, you don't even need to register. You just show up, bring a costume, have fun, get some free candy. You know the drill. Uh, however, if you would like to decorate your vehicle and be in the parking lot and be one of the trunks uh, that's out there, you do have to register for that. So again, go to the lobby if you have more um, questions for that at the hub. And then Lastly, I have uh, a retreat I want to talk about. You heard Tyler talk a little bit about it in the video. This is something near and dear to me because I work with student ministries. Um, but anyways, I do this thing every single year where I interview the seniors, kind of like an exit interview. And this event every single time is brought up as one of the events where they either uh, connected with God or it was the most fun they ever had or just one of the most memorable experiences they've had. So you don't want your student to miss this. If you have a student or know somebody who is a student, this is something you don't want them to miss. So sign them up. Go to the website, kensingtonchurch.org wild. And as you can see, it ends on the 31st. Don't worry. We will be back in time for trick-or-treating if you are concerned about that. Um, but anything that I mentioned here today, if you missed any details or uh, wanted to catch a date again or see what, what we said, uh, go to the hub. They will answer any questions you have. It's in the lobby. The People with the orange shirts will be able to answer any questions you have. And if you're new, uh, go check it out. We would love to get to know you. They got a, a free gift for you, and we just love to welcome you here. Um, but today we've also started a new series called Reveal. And this series is really cool. It's about unpacking these sayings that we've all probably heard a bunch of times, but aren't actually in the Bible. And the funny thing about these sayings is, like, maybe they help us feel better sometimes, but is it really all that helpful if they're not true? Um, the first song we listen to is kind of about that. There is power in truth, but sometimes there's things in this world that are just fabricated and they're not true. So the bottom kind of falls out. And with that, our next song we're going to be talking about kind of having a posture of accepting that, understanding what it's like when the bottom does come out and we do get approached with a new truth. Um, so I'm really excited about that. But before we get into that, I'd just like to ask you guys to stand up and say hello to someone next to you.
The words of that song, I think, really reflect the posture for our hearts that we desire for today, but also for this new series that we're starting, that we would make room, that we'd make room to see and experience God maybe in new ways, maybe ways that might shake up some of our ideals or our preconceived notions about who he is. And that we would make room for him to move in our hearts. And that ultimately that we would follow Christ with surrender and humility. And so today we're going to begin a four-week journey, really one that is of discovery. As we take a look at some common but yet critical mistaken ideas about God and whether or not they are true and whether or not they are actually found in the Bible. And so today that's where we'll start is with this book, the Bible. Now, Paul, he's a guy who wrote a lot about the New Testament. Uh, He wrote a lot of the New Testament, and he says this about the Bible. In 2 Timothy 3, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
that all scripture is God-breathed, that this book is more than a collection of some stories or some tales, some rules, some guidelines or laws, but this is inspired by God. And that we would open our hearts today to make some room for this inspired book of how we can encounter it, read it, study it, and how to approach it today. And so as we do that, I just want to take a moment to pray. Will you join me? God, I just pray for each one of us that is in this room and those that are watching online that we would open our hearts truly to make room for you today, God. That we would hear your voice and that maybe we'd see and understand a little bit more of who you are in a new way, Jesus. That you would reveal who you are to us in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, it is great to be with you here this morning, Kensington. So glad to be with you. Um, at this time in our service, I do want to take a moment, and we are going to receive the offering. And when you give to Kensington, you are being a part of our mission here. And the mission is to see people experience the love and the hope of Jesus, that their lives would be transformed. And that happens in so many different ways across our campuses and our communities. I mean, we just mentioned here this morning that we have McCrest, that Clinton Township is going to be hosting here and very soon and that's just one of the ways but we also have things that happen across the world through our global partners and that's all because of our giving and so you can go to our website you can go to the app you can even text the word kensington to 77977 or you can give on your way out as you leave the auditorium but thank you for being on mission with us and for your faithful giving so as I said, we are going to be talking about the Bible today, and so I brought a couple of my Bibles that I wanted to share with you. And so I have here, this is my Bible from when I was a little girl. My parents gave this to me when I was nine years old, and I thought it was so cool because it's pink. It's a pink Bible, and I was like, this is awesome. But not only is it a cool pink Bible, but it's like an actual Bible Bible. Like, this is like a legit Bible. This, you know, we got... Um, actual like verses and chapters. This is no paraphrase. This was like a real Bible. So I was like, oh my gosh, yes, this is so cool. Plus, it still does have pictures. So, you know, but it's really cool. And I'm so glad that I still have this. And so this was when I was a little girl. Now here recently, I bought myself a new Bible, which is kind of a fun thing. And then I kind of noticed a theme that I might have a pink theme going on with my Bibles, but actually, I don't, it's not my favorite color, but somehow I've ended up with all these pink Bibles. Um, but this is a new Bible, which has just been really fun to kind of crack open. It's a different translation than some of my other Bibles, but it's been really fun to read this Bible. Another Bible that I have that is very special to me is this one. This Bible belonged to my grandpa, and my grandpa loved God, and he lived God's love out in so many ways, in small things, and the legacy that he has left our family. He passed away earlier this year, and he was just an incredible man. And even as I was preparing for the message this week, I just got lost in this Bible. Nothing to do with actual today's message, but just reading the parts that he has highlighted and the things that he has underlined. And it's just a really sweet treasure to have a piece of my grandpa through one of his Bibles. And so I also, though, I have what I kind of call like my, my Bible Bible. This is like my go-to Bible. If I'm going to sit down to read the Bible, 99% of the time, it's going to be this Bible. It's, this is the one that I study out, out of all the time. 
But then, I'm sure like many of you, I also have it on my phone. All right, who has downloaded the Bible app on your phone? Yeah, it's great because, I mean, I can read it. It has devotionals. I mean, they have people talking and praying. There's a whole community, actually, especially on the YouVersion app, and it's a huge part. And so that's just another one of the ways that I read the Bible. And so for me, the Bible has been a huge part of my life. It's been very influential and inspirational and since I was a child and so I grew up in a home that highly valued the Bible and so I can remember many mornings my brother and I would be standing in the kitchen before we'd go off to school and we'd have to recite memory verses back to my mom she would teach us different parts of the Bible and so she would be really creative she would try and make it really fun she made board games like where you had like roll the dice move your marker all to learn a memory verse or she would turn a verse into a song to this day, if I read or I hear Philippians 4.8, which says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, anytime I hear, I hear my mom singing in my head. So good job, mom. All right. I remembered it. But it's been a really important book in my life. And then as I've grown and as an adult, one of the verses um, in Psalm 119 says, I have hidden your word in my heart. And so I've taken the time to read it, to study it, to memorize it to put God's word in my heart because of the desire that I've had with my relationship with God. But other times I've had to memorize it because it was required of me. Um, my first year of Bible college, I had to memorize 400 verses that year. Do not ask me after service what those 400 are, okay? Because I don't know. <laughs> I, I can tell you I memorized John 11.35 because it's the shortest verse in the Bible and it's two words. I'm not going to give away what that is. But some of the time of the study of the Bible was because I was required to do it. Now, I did memorize other verses that were really important to me at the time. But I've, I've clung to some of these words. The moments in my life where it has been difficult or it's felt like everything has fallen out and I'm barely surviving, I have clung and hung on to certain verses as my only hope in those moments. There are chapters or books that I have read over and over and over again. They're like my go-to. Like, I love Romans chapter 8. So I love so much about this book. But this book also has been really hard to understand sometimes. Sometimes I've read things, whether it's just one verse or like a chapter, and I'm kind of like, I think I'm more confused now. Like, I don't get it. I read it, and I'm like, oh, okay, and I'll read it again, and, and it just doesn't make sense. And I know from conversations that I've had with friends, with family members, like people that I've been in Bible study groups with, or just others, that I'm not the only one. Like, this book can be really hard to understand. It can actually be really confusing. I had a friend, when they became a Christ follower, they were like, okay, I'm supposed to read the Bible. I think this is what you do. And so they're like, okay, I'm going to read it. And they're like, I don't know, but where should I do this. Uh, I got some stuff going on in life. Well, I need a job. And I saw there was a book called Job. I'm just going to read the book of Job. So they read the book of Job. And then they got really confused because they're like, it's nothing to do with a job or employment. And then they realized it's not actually called the book of Job, but it's the book of Job. But who, how would you know? I mean, it can be a confusing book. It can be hard to understand. And I think at times we you might be like, wow, you want to say this in church, but it can feel boring. You're kind of like, oh, I got nothing out of that. 
And you're like, ah, oh, whatever. Or some statements will even feel like they don't really match up with other statements in the Bible. And it just kind of leaves you kind of going, I don't know. And even to the point where sometimes out of confusion or the fact that we just feel like we don't understand or we can't seem to get into it, I think sometimes we even then just go, you know what? Eh, why bother? Why bother reading it? I don't, what's the point? And this book with all of the complexities and the beauty of it, one thing I do know is that no matter what, whether you read it, talk about it, think about it, it has to be interpreted. And we claim that the Bible is infallible, but we are not, which means we're not always going to get it right when it comes to reading this book. Because whether you study it, read it, memorize, meditate on it, you talk about it with people, or in my case, even teach about it, that means that my thoughts and my opinions are going to co-mingle with words in this book, which then can feel a little confusing at times. Because if I love God and I read this book and someone else loves God and they read the book and they get a different thought, they see it in a different way, it's kind of like, well, who's right then? I mean, who's wrong? And how do we go, how do we go about reading this and understanding it? But I think, too, when there's right and wrong, then also we also see a lot of differences. Not just about the Bible, but then in church. So where did all these differences come from? Let's take a moment and watch this video. It's the night before Jesus is crucified. Knowing the adversity that lies ahead, Jesus gathers his closest followers and prays with them. He also prays for the future of his church. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Paul, in his letter to the church in Corinth, says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. If this was Jesus' prayer in the letter written from Paul, pleading the church to be unified, then how come to date, according to some experts, there are close to 33,000 denominations? Whew. Of course, there are the basic ones that we all heard of. Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal, Catholic, Lutheran, just to name a few. But have you heard of the Process Church of the Final Judgment? Man, that sounds like a good time. Or did you know that the Salvation Army is an actual church denomination? So what happened over the past 2,000 years that caused one church to divide into 33,000 different churches? We can't possibly cover all the reasons, but here are a few. The first organized church setting is found in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Peter gives the first post-Jesus sermon, and 3,000 people were baptized and added to the church. Wow, it's a great start. But then a little later, there was this big argument between some religious leaders with Paul and Barnabas about the Gentile converts needing to be circumcised. And, well, that was the first argument within the church. But how do we get so many different churches? Well, let's start with Catholicism. 1.3 billion followers worldwide. And looking at the start of the Catholic Church, let's start with Peter. Jesus told Peter that he would build his church on this rock, this being Peter. Peter went to Rome to assume control of the church, but then ended up being crucified upside down on the top of Vatican Mount. That is where the Vatican sits today. 
Peter was recognized by the Catholic Church as the very first pope. There have been 266 popes since the death of Peter. All branches of the Christian Church were birthed from the Roman Catholic Church. On Saturday, July 16th, in the year 1054, Cardinal Humbert strode into a cathedral right up to the main altar and placed on it a letter that declared the Patriarch of Constantinople, Michael Sabrularius, to be excommunicated, basically saying, you are dead to me and never welcome back. Well, Cardinal Humbert then marched out of the church, shook its dust from his feet, and left the city. A week later, Sabrularius condemned the cardinal. To be honest, they both sound a little bratty. Anyway, centuries later, this dramatic incident was the beginning of the schism between the Latin and the Greek churches. This was the start of the Orthodox Church. Ever hear of John Wycliffe? No, not Wycliffe Jean of the Fugees. This Wycliffe challenged the church and its law that translating a Bible into a common language, such as English, was heresy punishable by death. Not exactly the good old days. So Wycliffe took a risk with translating the Bible and distributing them to the common folk. This was the start of the Reformation movement. His actions were so appalled by the church that after his death, his body was dug up, bones were burned to ashes, and then thrown into the river Swift. Does that sound like unity? Wycliffe's actions were the foreshadowing of another man, a German monk named Martin Luther. On October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther nailed a sheet of paper with his 95 theses to the University of Wittenberg's chapel door. He was not happy with the existing church. Well, this climaxed into an intense shouting match and Martin Luther was excommunicated from the Roman Catholic Church. Say hello to the Protestant Church and the Lutheran Church. Then along came John Calvin. John agreed with Martin Luther. But not entirely, so let's start another church. Call it Presbyterian. It has something to do with free will versus predestination and some other things, but let's not get into those. In 1606, John Smith, a clergyman with the Church of England, was not satisfied with his infant baptism. So he decided to be rebaptized in the Don River at midnight. Say hello to the Baptist Church. Of course, the Baptist Church had some differences to iron out, closed communion versus open communion being one of them, and... Well, today there are over 200 Baptist denominations, with 43 million Baptists worldwide. King Henry VIII and the Catholic Church had a great relationship. Until they didn't. So King Henry realized that he didn't have a male heir to the throne. So he requested the Pope to annul his marriage with Catherine so he could marry Anne Boleyn, the other Boleyn girl. The Pope said no. Well, King Henry got his way and then declared that the King of England would be the supreme head of the church and clergy. King Henry was excommunicated, surprise, surprise. That was the birth of the Anglican Church, or what is better known today as the Episcopal Church. Out of the Episcopal Church arose John Wesley and his brother Charles. They wanted a more methodical approach to biblical holiness, no small task. So the Methodist Church was born. So many denominations and so little time. It's turned into quite a mess. The Catholic Church with prayers to the saints and confession through a priest... The Baptists who believe in once saved, always saved, while the Methodists holding firm to the belief in that you can lose your salvation. The Methodists welcoming all believers to participate in communion, while the Baptists and Presbyterians say only the baptized can partake. And speaking of baptism, the Baptists say full immersion is the only way to go, and no infant baptisms, while the Presbyterians have no problem in baptizing babies since they do the sprinkling method. So who's right? Who's wrong? Or is all of this okay as long as we all believe in this? Jesus is the Son of God, 
who died on the cross for our sins and whose soul forever believes in him as Lord and Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. There's so many differences when it comes to this book. And so we hope today to reveal maybe how we should approach it. I was reading in Christianity Today, and an article said, since the Reformation, which was mentioned in that video, Protestants have held that a rich relationship with the Bible is central to the Christian life. But today, confidence in the Bible's truth and reliability is rapidly eroding. Questions about how the text came to us are at an all-time high. And even among scholars friendly to faith, there seems to be little consensus about how to read our sprawling, enigmatic, diverse, and often confusing book. There seems to be little consensus about how to read this book. So how do we read it? How do we approach this book? I think that before we kind of lean into some of those questions, I want to just affirm my own, but also Kensington, that we have a deep love for the Word of God. This book that is made up of 66 different books, authored by 40 different authors, inspired by God over the span of 15, 1600 years across three different continents, is this amazingly coherent revelation of God's love. And the pages are historical narrative. There is poetry, there is instruction. And it's woven together as inspiration and transformation. I mean, truly, there is no other book quite like the Bible. It is an incredible book. And it is more than just some words on a page that we read. Now, Jesus, in the New Testament, he was kind of hassled or harassed by some of the Bible experts of the day. They were kind of known as the Pharisees. Now, these guys, they knew the book. I mean, if you had a Bible trivia night with them, you might as well stay home because they were going to win every single time. And Jesus has this conversation with them saying, you know the book, but you're actually missing the whole point about this. And we read this in John chapter 5 when he confronts them. And in verse 39, it says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them, you have eternal life. Now, to study the scriptures diligently, it's a good thing. But Jesus said, they thought that meant that equaled eternal life. And he's saying, you've actually missed the whole point. It's not about that. And so if we actually back up a couple verses, in verse 37, he says, and the father who has sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form. Nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You've never heard God's voice. That in all of their diligent study, they actually never heard God's voice. They missed the point. And I think this is almost like a, okay guys, pay attention. Throw up the warning sign because we can be really good students. We can know that book inside and out, but yet we can miss the point. We can miss God's voice. And then we're, we're not going to get this right. And I think it's actually really easy to miss God's voice. 
whether I'd want to admit it or not, there's definitely been times where I've probably just read the Bible because I was checking the box. It's what the good Christian does. Oh, you're a Christ follower, so better read my Bible. You work at a church, oh, you better read the Bible. Okay, so it's that time of day, and so then I'm just like, okay, yeah, so son of man, describe to the people of Israel the temple I've chosen you. Cool. Got my Bible time in. I've done it more out of a requirement than out of a relationship where I desire to know God and to hear his voice. And that's the purpose, is to hear God's voice. And it's really easy for us to read this book and only hear our voice, or maybe the voice of someone else, maybe a different teacher, and actually miss out. And when that happens, we're going we're gonna to get it wrong at times. So then how do we approach this book? How do we handle it? How do we read it? How do we try and understand it? And so this morning, I just want to share two things that I think it comes to really how we can approach this and really just our posture with the Bible. The first one is this, that we would handle with humility and wonder. Now, Paul, that guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament, writes this in Romans chapter 11. Oh, how great are God's riches in wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? The implications of what Paul asks here is, is that there's no way that anyone can actually know all of God. There's no way we can take the vastness, the magnitude of everything that God is and make it into something tiny that we can know and manage and go, oh, okay, I know everything there is about that. Put that in my back pocket. Because when we try and do that, then we've definitely got this wrong. And the thing is, people have tried. Out of pride, arrogance, a lack of humility, even I think out of fear, they've said, well, this is what God said. The Bible said this. And then they draw a line in the sand. But Paul said, who can know the Lord's thoughts? So where's the mystery? Where's the wonder to say, you know what? Maybe I don't know it all and I'm going to try and find out more. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to dig deep because I, I can't understand it all. There is no way in myself that I will ever be able to fully comprehend everything there is about God. There's no way. Um, just this past week, I had a conversation with my son, and we were talking about God, and he goes, yeah, well, you know, I'm pretty sure that. And I was like, mm, well, God's a big God, bud. Like, we don't know everything about God. And he's like, yeah, but I'm pretty sure that. And I was like, thank you for sharing your thoughts with me. But God's like really big. He's amazing. There's no way. And I made it sound really exciting, like how big God is. There's no way. And then I could see him thinking, and he's like, okay, yeah. But I'm pretty sure that, and I was like, oh, gosh, I'm pretty sure this conversation's going nowhere because he's a big God. So let's approach the word, the Bible, with this attitude that, you know what? I don't know it all. Let's read it in humility, but also with a wonder that there is more to discover, a curiosity, which kind of makes me think of this. Anyone know what this is? 
kaleidoscope. That's right. Now, who had one of these as a kid? Awesome. I was talking to someone in the lobby after first service, and they said, anyone who had one as a kid, you could tell what age they were. And I went, oh, man, I'm still young. But I loved having one of these things because you could hold it up, and as you twist it, you see it changes, and the lights and the colors, and it kind of morphs things. It gives you this really cool visual, and it will adjust as you change it. And the word kaleidoscope actually is derived from some Greek words that basically mean to observe, to examine beautiful forms. And I thought, man, that's the lens we should be reading the Bible through. The lens not to prove I'm right, you're wrong, or gosh, I know it all about the Bible, but through a lens of really of discovery to see the beauty and the awe I mean, even the fact that this is a child's toy kind of reminds me that maybe we should have this childlike attitude, this approach of being inquisitive, that there is joy and delight in what you see. And the lens brings about this beauty and the awe and the wonder that there is humility. There's almost a patience of the discovery. Because I think if we can view maybe the Bible through the lens of a kaleidoscope, it's going to help us from becoming like a Pharisee who knows a lot about the book, but next to nothing about God. So let's handle this book with humility. We don't know it all. We're not going to get it all right. But with the wonder to continue to explore, to say there is more. I think we also should approach the Bible as we embrace Jesus as the true word of God. Now, Jesus, on like his final day with his disciples, he's having a conversation with them, and he's giving them some really important information. And he's talking to them about how their faith could continue to grow after his death, resurrection, and ascension. And so we read this. Out of John chapter 14, and it says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. We jump down to verse 26, and it says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So Jesus promises his disciples that after he leaves, that God's Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would be with them and in them. And the beautiful thing of this is that it's not a promise just for the disciples, but this is for any of us who are Christ followers, that God's spirit is with us and in us. And just like he was for the disciples, it is to remind us of everything and to teach us. And we see, if you look back in the book of Acts, the disciples, as they're starting like the church, they they didn't have this book to rely on. But page after page, we we see how the Holy Spirit was leading them and guiding them and teaching them. They weren't doing life on their own, but they had the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit was the one with them. And the same thing is for any of us as Christ followers. 
that God is with us and in us. And when it comes to this book, that we would approach it, not to just go read it off by yourself, but that we would invite God to be with us and in us. And just like the Holy Spirit helped teach and remind the disciples that God would teach us everything we need to know and remind us. And that really we'd have an approach of dependency on God's spirit and to listen. Now Jesus, before he ever hung out with those disciples, He's revealed to us in the book of John as the word of God. And so we read this in John chapter 1. And it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so here in just a few statements, John declares that Jesus is the word of God and has existed for all time. That Jesus, the one that is prophesied in the early pages of the book, who came among us, lived with us, died on a cross, rose from the dead, and ascended to heaven, and then his spirit came and lives within us. He is the word of God. And the Bible will always point us to him. The Bible will always point us to Jesus because he is the word of God. Now, I love what the author of Hebrews says about the word of God. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It says that the word of God is alive. The word of God is alive. It is life-changing. It is dynamic. And centuries before this book that we hold was fully formed, the word of God was penetrating hearts and transforming lives. The word of God, Jesus, has existed from the beginning of time and will through all eternity. And this word of God is still penetrating our lives. He's still bringing transformation to our lives. The word of God... Jesus is the word of God. And so when it comes to how we should approach this book, how, sh how we should even just try to understand it, that we would do it with humility, knowing that we're not going to get it all right, that we're not really going to fully understand it, but that in that we will continue to have this wonder and curiosity to want to learn more. And while doing that, that we would embrace that Jesus is the word of God. And then allow him to teach us and to remind us of the words. And that we would have a dependency on his spirit as we read. And that he would reveal himself to us as we do. So what, though, does that mean for us today? For some of us, we might still be exploring God and faith. I would just encourage you to continue to explore. Explore this book. For others of us, maybe we need to start reading the Bible. And maybe if you don't have a Bible, I'm going to highly suggest you need to get a Bible. 
You need to get a Bible. Whether you download the app on your phone, you can stop by the hub. We have some New Testaments. We would love to give you one. You can go onto Amazon right now. Like, you pull out your phone. I'm giving you permission. Go onto Amazon, order a Bible. It'll be at your house tomorrow. Or you can even stop at Target on your way home. I mean, who doesn't want to stop at Target on their way home? I mean, this is a really good reason, okay? You can get some cute shoes or something too while you're there. But get a Bible. And if you're kind of like, well, which kind? Don't worry about that. You just got to find a Bible that you understand. Don't worry. There's lots of ways. And just know that if you have questions, ask someone. Our team is here. We'd love to help you find the right Bible for you. But if you don't have one, get a Bible. And for those of us that have a Bible, and maybe it's been a while, or maybe it's been kind of just sitting on a shelf collecting dust for a long time, let's pull it out and let's start reading it. Let's read the eternal truth of God here. Let's open this up. And even that, you're going to be like, well, I've tried and it was so confusing. I just couldn't get into it. I know. I get it. It, it can be difficult. But let, let's not let that stop us from trying again. And we have some great resources here at Kensington. So just ask our team. We have a course. It's called Bible Basics. There's so many different ways that we can come alongside and just help you to read the Bible. If you're even just wondering where you should start, the book of John is a great book. It talks about Jesus. Like, get to know Jesus. Start there. But let's pull this out and begin to read it. And read it as we embrace that Jesus is the true word. And I think in that, maybe just ask him to reveal himself. That you we would have a dependency on God's spirit. And so maybe before you read, just say a simple prayer. Just say, God, as I read these words, reveal yourself to me. And may your spirit lead me and teach me. Ask God. And for those of us that maybe read this book a lot, we study it. We memorize it. We meditate it. We're in, we're in the Bible. Let's continue to do it with humility. And let's, let's pull out the kaleidoscope. Let's view it with the lens of discovery, of wonder, of awe. To know more, to see the beauty that there is more, and to dive in. And when you reach a roadblock where you're like, I don't understand, I just can't get this, then don't stop there, but dig in. Go on Google, man. Get a book. Go take a course. But let's take time to dive in with humility, wonder, and a dependency on God, that we would embrace the Word of God by studying it, by reading, memorizing, meditating in awe, and curiosity, and with a dependency of God's Spirit leading and guiding us. Will you join me in prayer? God, I pray for each one of us, those in this room and those who are online. I pray that you would reveal yourself to us when we open this book. That when we hold it, when we read it, we think about it, we talk about it. I pray, God, there would be a dependency on your spirit and that we would do it with humility, knowing that we are not going to get it always right, but we're going to continue to dive in because who can know the Lord's thoughts? 
that we would do it with wonder and the beauty and that your spirit would lead us and guide us so that ultimately, God, we can hear your voice in your name. Amen.
there is no one like our God. There's no one. And our hope in this series and for today is that our eyes would be open to his wonder and maybe new ways that we would be curious, that we'd see him with awe and that we'd open up the word of God in that Bible and we'd view it through a lens to say, God, there's more of you to discover and to hear his voice so that we can build our life on him. And so we hope that you will come back next week for week two of this series. We'll be taking a look at, at the phrase, God helps those who help themselves. So we'd love for you to come back, bring a friend, bring a neighbor. We also will have our prayer team available down front here after service if you need to talk with someone, pray with them. But otherwise, we hope you have a fantastic day and that you read your Bibles. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.